Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Wow. I'll try it again, Shy. Hello, Heart Church. Hello, Heart Church South Campus. And hello in the overflow. Remember, God is the God of the overflow. Come on, just preach right there for somebody. Great to see you here. Is it good to be here? Wow, guys. Okay, I'm going to ask this side. I'm going to ask this side. Is it good to be here? Oh, come on now. You see these guys? I don't know. Shall we give them another? Okay. Are we okay, guys? All right, there you go. We're on it, we're on it, we're on it. Awesome to see you here. Uh, If you're visiting, we love the fact you're here. Amazing. Over the last few weeks, as you've heard, we've been looking about our lives behind closed doors. And over this last few weeks, we've been looking at the whole area of order. And we've looked at order in our spiritual world, order in our emotional world, order in our mental world. And today we are looking at order in our physical world. Now, listen, whilst there's no doubt that I'm going to get up in your business a little bit. I'm going to get up in your business a little bit. I know, I know that, like, you know, you don't want that. You just want a nice little word so you can get on and just, just chill, like half in, half No, like, this is, I'm going to get up in your business. Okay? But I want to assure you that I'm not here to judge you and I'm not here to upset you. Turn to someone and say, he's not trying to upset you. I am looking to, to challenge you, to challenge us, because I want us to be the best us we can be. Um, and listen, if you are challenged, great. Um, don't run away from the challenge. You know, uh, allow yourself to be challenged. If you may be challenged in a few areas, then don't allow yourself to be overwhelmed with the amount of challenge. You can't sort out everything overnight, all in one go. But what you can do is say, Lord, Holy Spirit, just help me. Which bit do you want to deal with first? And you can begin to knock these things off one or two at a time. Because otherwise, if you allow yourself to be overwhelmed, then probably you won't do anything. So, One of the things that we've understood over the last while is that in truth, most of us, most of our lives are invisible. I know, it's okay, I'm letting the penny, I'm just letting it, what you're talking about. Well, because most of our lives, if we're talking about our spiritual world, if we're talking about our emotional world, if we talk about our mental world, those things are not visible to the the naked eye. So they're invisible. But now we're also talking about our physical world, which is uh, which is the physical realm. What seen what is seen in the what happens in the unseen rather is very important. But also what is happening in our physical scene. World, And we all know that by now, hopefully, that these things can influence one another. They're all interconnected and interwoven. And I'm, listen, I'm here, honestly, as 
a fellow pilgrim, not here as an expert. I'm here just uh, journeying some of this stuff myself. It is a massive subject. Massive. Can't hope to cover all of it just in one session. You know, I'm not qualified to speak to health and nutrition and all that sort of thing. But what I am here to do is to kind of point us towards what the Bible what the Bible says. There's a lot of expert information out there which we can all avail ourselves of to each of our particular needs. But hopefully, as we look at what the Bible says, it will inspire all of us to point ourselves towards the best version of ourselves. And I think kind of the route that I'm going to take us might surprise you a little bit, but here we go. Are you up for it? Are you good to go? All right, here we go. So the physical world that God created is incredible. And it's so incredible that He actually points out to us that everything in creation points to Him. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So God is saying in creation, my invisible qualities are made so obvious that man, people are without excuse. So whether you see a majestic mountain, a splendid sunset or a babbling brook, it all points to the wonder and glory of God. Now, I want to start because we're going we're gonna to go and look at Genesis uh, chapter 2 because God chose an environment in which to put people in. And I want to say that if God chooses an environment, then it's only right that I assume that environment is important. So we're going to take a bit of a stroll through Genesis chapter 2. We're going to have a couple of pit stops along the way and we'll see where we go. So Genesis chapter 2, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord made the heavens and the earth, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord planted a garden and put man in it. 
Just think about that for a moment. We'll have a little pit stop here. So God has created, He's created, He's spoken into being the whole earth, the whole of creation. But now God is deciding that there needs to be an environment in which He can put man, in which He can put people. And He planted a garden. So He, he didn't speak a garden into being. He, I don't know, I, I, I think that's crazy that God actually planted a garden. He, if you can cope with the language, rolled up his sleeves and planted a garden in which to put man. In other words, he, 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 he'd spoken creation into being, but he wanted an extra special environment in which to put man. Verse 9 says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. I want you to notice that. The way God does things. He produced something that wasn't just good for food. It would have been good enough if it was good for food, but God also created something that was pleasing to the eye. Pleasing to the eye, good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. Now, you know, on some uh, tracks, some um, CDs, you get a bonus track. This is a bonus track because it's nothing really to do with what I'm saying. But as I was looking at that, I was just suddenly fascinated as to why... Why would that be pointed out? Why, why, why was it important that firstly there was gold there and that the gold was good? Why was it important that there were aromatic, was aromatic resin there and, and onyx? And, and I just, anyway, listen, this is just a little reflection I had because I want to remind you that the garden was in the east. So I did a little bit of further reading and I discovered that an aromatic resin, because I didn't know this, but an aromatic resin, myrrh and frankincense are aromatic resins. Which meant that in that place there was gold, frankincense and myrrh. I just thought that was intriguing that God pointed that out at the beginning of creation and it was like, it was just like, God was just, I've got, we're not going to need that right now, but I just want you to know it's there. Because you know what? The Magi came from the, they came from the East and they didn't just come with gold, they came with good gold, frankincense and myrrh to give to the creator of the universe. Anyway, that's just me going off on one. But I just thought, wow, that is, 
that is quite amazing that God had put something there that wasn't for now, but in time you'll see why I've done what I've done. I just wanted to say to somebody here this morning, there are some things in your life, you didn't know why they were there. You couldn't understand why those things were pointed out, why those things were shown at that time, because it wasn't for that time. It was for a time that was yet to be. And then you're going to understand that some of those things that were planted in your life back then, you don't know the reason right now, but your reason is going to become clear because God is going to show you. God, can you give God the praise? Hallelujah. So the name of the second river is the Gion. It winds through the entire land of Cush. And the name of the third is the Tigris. Runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. So watch this. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So man was meant to manage and maintain. God gave him order. He planted a garden. He didn't say, hey, um, Adam, first job, create yourself a garden. He said, no, I've, I've created order for you. I've, I've planted a garden for you. All I ask of you is that in what I've given you, you manage it and you maintain it. You keep the order. Verse 16, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So God put a tree in the garden and said to Adam, don't touch it. Now you see like, you think, well, if you don't want him to touch the tree, don't put it in the garden. You know, like, don't, why create a problem? Just don't put the tree in the garden and then no one's going to touch it. But the reason God put the tree in the garden was because it's only in the environment of choice that you can discover obedience. It's only by having the freedom to choose that you will see whether I'm being obedient or not. It's like God said, hey, this is all yours, but that tree is mine. It's a bit like God said, hey, all your money is yours, but that tithe is mine. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. So to summarize, God planted a garden. He created order. He put man in an ordered environment and asked him to manage and maintain it. And then he gave man the ability to make choices and asked him to make a choice to do it God's way. Saying, basically, if you do it my way, that releases life. But you have the choice to do it your way. But you must also understand that there are then consequences and that will produce death. I want to then assume that if, 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 if God put man in an ordered environment, 
It's because an ordered environment is best for man. I just, I, lo- I love the fact that, that God, God showed man what he wanted. And therefore, I've got to believe that for me and for you, we work best from a place of order, not chaos. Remember at creation, God brought order out of chaos. So everything has a tendency to move towards chaos. I can do the garden, but if I leave the garden, it's gonna eventually move towards chaos again. So God created us to live with and maintain, maintain order. We can learn to live with chaos, but it's stressful. So we can teach ourselves to live with chaos, but it's stressful and has knock-on effects. You're running late. You're running late because you've overslept. You overslept because you hit the snooze button five times, turned it off thinking you were awake, only to fall back to sleep for 20 minutes. You fell back to sleep for 20 minutes because you were tired and you were tired because you didn't go to bed early enough. You didn't go to bed early enough because you were sat watching rubbish on TV. You were sat watching rubbish on TV because you work hard and you deserve to chill. You deserve to chill because you were late home. You'd stayed a bit later at work because you had been a bit late for work. And you couldn't find some papers that you needed for tomorrow. But now you need to wake up. Your heart's racing. You're in absolute panic. You feel terrible. You shower, but you don't have time for breakfast. You rush downstairs and miss the last step. You miss the last step because you were rushing. You've hurt your ankle, not badly, but enough to really annoy you. Now you can't find your car keys and your wallet. You know that they are in the house because you are in the house. You could not have got in the house without them. You run through the house like a crazy person. Your wife asks, what are you looking for? You say, your car keys and your wallet. She says, they must be in the house because you are in the house. You shout at your wife. She says, she was just trying to help, goes upstairs upset. You find your keys and wallet in the fruit bowl. You never put your keys and the wallet in the fruit bowl. You shout upstairs, you found them. You shout, have a nice day. There's no answer. You haven't got time to sort it out now. You'll text later. Traffic is awful. You're late for work. I suppose I just have to work late again. The point is that it has a knock-on effect. And we can live our lives chasing our tails because we don't bring order into our life. When I live from a place of disorder, I rob myself of the peace of God. And I actually believe I rob myself of creativity because my mind is so busy fighting fires, chasing myself. My mind is so full. So my question is, what are your environments like? If, if environments are so important, what are your environments like? Because your environments speak to you. You may have trained yourself to ignore what they say, but your environments speak to you. Because I believe 
that God intends for us to bring order and create order and subdue our environments. So when I open a drawer and it's tidy, somehow that drawer speaks to me and says, you're killing life. That's a positive thing if you're over 50. You're doing, you're doing okay. There's order in your life. If I open that cupboard and things fall on top of me, that also speaks to me. It says, ah, I need to sort that out. Why can't I, you know, why can't I ever find anything in this house? You know, it's, it's when somehow when there is a lack of order, I feel like I'm not succeeding. See, when I walk into the bedroom, the bedroom should be a place where I can relax and rest. My bedroom should be a restful place. I, th- I think maybe there's a reason why it's always the easiest place to get untidy. Maybe because it's not a room that everyone else has access to. You know, you, you don't usually, guests don't usually end up in the bedroom. There's this weird thing is that you've got about a, like a three week window when you move into a new house. When someone can walk in your house and say, oh, can I have a look around? But after that, it's just weird. It's just weird. If you walked into someone's house and said, can I have a look around? It's weird. But when you've just moved in, it's okay. I don't know. So our environments speak to us, but our environments also speak about us. They say something about us. I, had a, I used to work with a guy uh, in South Africa and, and uh, I, I consistently said to him, he looked after uh, our finances and stuff. I asked, I said, bro, you need, to, you need to sort out this office. How do you ever find things in this office? He had like this deep pile filing system. You know what I mean? He said, oh, I know where everything is. I know where everything is. But anyway, a while later, we actually had a break in at the church in the offices and the police in the offices. The police came round. They were going round looking for points of entry and all that. And then he walked in this guy's office and this is absolute truth. He walked in and went, oh no, they've got in here as well. And I walked in and I said, no, no, they didn't. It was actually like this. Before, um, I I think it may be a bit tidier than it was. I don't know. But, you know, our environments speak about us. They, 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 They talk about our priorities, they talk about how we're doing life, your, your, your bedroom, your car, the garage, the shed, that cupboard, your office desk. How clean and tidy are they? How ordered are they? What are they speaking to you? And what are they saying about you? I'm not talking about being a neat freak. I mean, I can be a little bit, but, but I am talking about we are supposed to manage and maintain our environments because we are supposed to create environments that don't stress us out. Enable us to operate at the best version of ourselves so that I can function as the most efficient me. So you can function as the most efficient you. God thought environment was important and he put man in that environment. I just want to suggest to us that we've got a responsibility to manage and maintain environments that help us to be the best version of ourselves. So some of the other stuff. 
One of the things we read there is Adam's first day on earth was a day off. Hi, Adam. Great to see you. Oh, hi, Lord. We're chilling today. That's what we're doing. It's awesome. You see, Adam rested for work, not from work. I know the Bible says that God rested from work, but Adam rested for work. Why am I pointing that out? Because that tells us how we should rest. If we rest from rather than resting for, we have a different kind of rest. If I'm resting for something, then I am thinking about something that recreates me. Recreation is recreation. It's not just leisure. Our rest should be restorative. We need to find ways of resting that recreate and restore us. I find it interesting that God declared that seventh day holy. He said, hey, just to make it clear, I know your first day is a, is a day off, but just to make it clear, this has to be part of your life. A rest day is part of your life. And he's, 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 he was the seventh day. He was saying, now listen, I know that down the line, down the line, uh, churches have taught things about the Sabbath. And you know, that life is no longer like that. In that Sunday is not, for many people, a day of rest. But we all need a Sabbath. Your Sabbath might be a Tuesday. Your Sabbath might be a Friday, but you still need a Sabbath. You need something every seven days that allows you an opportunity of rest. Can you ignore that? Of course you can. But there will be consequences because we're not designed to just keep going, 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 going. We're not designed to do that. We are designed to rest at least every seven days. He created us for sleep. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For He grants sleep to those He loves. He grants sleep to those He loves. He's saying don't live your life in such a way that you're working so hard that you're robbing yourself of sleep. Um, in other words, out of fear that you're not going to be provided for. That's what that scripture is saying. The Lord's saying, trust me, I'm going to provide. Work, work hard, but trust me. He's saying that He wants you to sleep. I'm going to pray in a minute because I just believe that we, we live in times where so many people have problems sleeping. Man, some people go to bed uh, and wake up three hours later and they toss and turn the whole night and, it, and they just live in this, this blur uh, 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 and this fogged up mind because they're so tired because they're not getting enough sleep. Some of that is because they've got so much stuff going on. The mind is going, uh, and they just can't sleep. Their body isn't resting. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for anyone here who might be battling in the area of sleep and getting proper restorative rest. I pray in the name of Jesus for those people who walk up, wake up in the small hours and toss and turn and worry and are fretful or, or they're tossing and turning. They don't even know why they can't sleep. 
I pray, oh God, that you would give them wisdom, you'd give them understanding, but you'd give them a breakthrough. Lord, if they're doing something in the day or in the evening that is not helping them, show them what to do. If they're drinking too much caffeine, show them what, Lord God. If they, if they are allowing themselves uh, too much time on their screens before they sleep, show them, Lord God. Whatever it is that is robbing them of their sleep, show them, Father, so that they can have the breakthrough they need and get the, the restful sleep that You promised because You grant sleep to those that You love. And we claim the promise in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. So God made rest foundational. But obviously we're not only designed to rest. We're designed to work. And God intended work to bless us. He wanted us to enjoy our work. And I believe that, that God actually wants us to, I mean, this is a whole subject in itself, but I believe that He's given us gifts and He's given us talents, that, that when we work from that place, it's almost like we're not working at all. I don't know, maybe, maybe some of us are, we're working jobs that we've trained ourselves to do so that we can earn money. We got the job because it pays a lot, but then we hate the job. So we spend the money that pays a lot on leisure because that's the only way it makes the job bearable. Because we're spending the money on the leisure, but then we, 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 so we just live holiday to holiday because we actually hate what we do. What if we, what if I, I don't know, what if I lived from a place where I was doing a job I absolutely loved? When I got out of bed, I was just so excited about going and doing that job. Maybe I wouldn't be thinking so much about leisure. Maybe it doesn't pay quite as much as that, but you know what? I do, when I do that, I just feel fully alive. I just feel like I'm doing what I was born to do. I just feel I'm speaking to somebody right now. So God's talked about rest being foundational. If we're gonna function and be the best version of ourselves, we need to know how to have proper rest and proper recreation. Now, I wanna talk about something. Just, just stay with me, work with me, because I'm gonna take us on a little bit of a journey. We've talked about creation. God created the earth. I want you to remember that God said the earth is good. It was good. Creation was good. He said it was good. And, and He didn't create the planet earth and just put it there. It's moving. So He put the planets in place and the planets move. Nothing stationary. There's movement. The earth you're sitting on right now is going about 19 miles a second, about 30 kilometres a second. Imagine going on a fair ground ride that was going at that speed. That would be not nice for me. Um, but that's what we're spinning at right now. It doesn't feel like that, but we're on an earth that is moving. We, are, uh, we have day and night and it takes about a year for us to orbit the sun. So there's movement and from that we have time. So the earth is a circle without a beginning and nobody knows where it really ends. You have to be about my age to know that. And uh, there are circles spinning around circles 
which are the planets, and from their orbit we get time. So when we mimic that, if you can put up that picture for me, please, with an analogue watch, in order to read time, we have to put circles within circles. Interestingly, you can leave that up for a second. Interestingly, that is called a movement. The thing inside the watch that creates time is called a movement. Now, we are human beings. The word being, actually, it, it, means, it means in this regard about life and existence. But I want to just point out one thing. The word being here is also about animation. It means alive and moving. So that's why we call cartoons animation because it's something that is made to move and looks alive. Humans, we're, hu- we're, meant, we're human beings, but we're human, human movers. We, we, are, we are meant to move. We, like the watch, have movement within us. Even when we're just sat like you are now, you, you are breathing. You weren't thinking about the fact that you were breathing until I just mentioned that you were breathing. If anyone within the sound of my voice has realised they're not breathing, put a hand up. We need to pray. We need to call an ambulance. We need to do something. But, but you're, you're, so your, your chest rises and falls. You've got a heart within you that is pumping. You have got blood going round your body. It is called the circulatory system. It is circulation, circle. God put a circle within you that is keeping you alive. Humans have a movement within them and they are meant to move. Your body works better when it moves. If you don't use it, you lose it. You know, anyone who's ever broken their arm or had to, uh, you know, maybe broken the leg or something, that you'll notice that the muscles in your leg or your arm don't stay as they did when the cast went on. The, 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 the muscles waste away because if you're not using it, you're going to lose it. So you've got to use it. If you move, your body will allow more movement. So what I'm saying is, because I'm not now going to be talking about gyms and all kinds of exercise and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's between you and the Lord and, what, and your bodies and what you're able to do. But what I am saying is that we are designed to move. We're at our best when we are moving. And I want to I suggest to us that at the, at the very least, if we're physically able, we can get out for a walk. It was interesting, you know, God, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. I don't know, there's just something about walking and prayer, which I particularly love. I, I just wanted to notice, because I'm just talking about creating an environment for the best version of you. God put Adam in a garden. He put him outside in nature. 
He didn't put him in a living room with a PlayStation. Nothing wrong with living rooms and nothing wrong with PlayStations. But what I'm saying is that the environment that God put him in says something because there was something about that environment that was going to bless Adam. So being in nature, walking, being out in fresh air. I'm just saying he put the pinnacle of his creation in that environment. I mean, we're talking about a God who, who planted a garden himself for the pinnacle of his creation. He thought, he's, he was saying, this is going to be the perfect environment for people to thrive. And you see, because we've got to understand that this is all linked. The, whole, the, the reason why I've just gone for movement rather than exercise, obviously exercise is good, but I want us to understand what we're designed to do because movement, even we are affected emotionally by movement. That's why motion is in emotion. Movement and emotion are connected. The way you feel emotionally is influenced by movement. You say, don't we? Sometimes, you know, you might be watching a performance or you watch a movie and you say, oh, I I was really moved. It was really moving because emotion and moving is linked. Some of us, We need to move more because it does us better. We do well physically, but we move more because we do well emotionally. And you you might want to try it. Uh, Just pass me the chair, Matt, please. You might want to try it. But the the, the thing is this, our physiology, the way we we, um, carry ourselves, hold ourselves, has a big impact. You can try this on your own. You can try it now with me if you want. But it's like, you know, there's something about my physiology that influences the way I feel. You know when you're saying, you know what? I can't be bothered. If you ever just took a, a notice of what you're sitting like when you're saying you can't be bothered, because it affects the way you feel. Because when I'm up, alive, and attentive, I feel different. I feel different. Just do me a favor, just now, right now, if you can, just sit up in your chair. Just sit up in your chair, put your shoulders back, sit tall. No, sorry, sit, 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 sit. No. <laughs> Hallelujah, you couldn't respond later. It's okay, you can respond later. No, that's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. That, they're just taking it to the next level. Standing up makes standing up makes a difference too. You guys are just prophetic. You're living prophetic. But when you sit tall and your shoulders are back, just be aware of how it makes you feel. It just you just feel a little bit different. You feel a bit more alert, a little bit more confident, a little bit more present in the room. That's how you should stay sitting when I'm preaching. No, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, but it's because our physiology 
affects our emotions because it's about movement and it's about motion. Everything works better when you move. Turn to the person next to you and say, everything works better when you move. So I want us to understand that 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20, and this is, this is what I want to help us to understand. Paul said, he said, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Now watch this. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. So that means as a Christian, it's important I understand that God cares about what I do with my body. It's not just about my spirit. Because my body, my spirit, my emotions, my soul, they're all linked. You're not your own to do with what you want to do with. Your body is not your own because it's been bought with a price, the highest price, the blood of Jesus. So that means that your bodies, my body should bring honour to God. My body should bring honour to God. People should look at your body and say, there is a God. Just something for you to think about there. Now, of course, there's another context to that because the verse just before the one I read there, um, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So what he's saying is, you can't do whatever you want with, a, with your body because you've been bought with a, for a prize. And as a follower of Jesus, you've got to live by God's standards in regards to sexuality. There are other areas too in our We're not meant to be ruled by our appetites. Philippians talks about, Philippians 3, for as I have often told you before now and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious bodies. So we're not meant to be ruled by our appetites. And if Jesus has the power to bring everything under control, do you know what that means? Is There is nothing that is beyond His ability to control. protects us from areas of excess. Most of us, especially church people, the moment I mention drunkenness, you say, oh yes, well, that's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible, terrible. But you know, because the Bible says you shouldn't be drunk. It doesn't say you shouldn't drink. It just says you shouldn't be drunk. That's what the Bible says. I know other people say other things, but the Bible says you shouldn't be drunk. You shouldn't do anything to excess. 
See, the church is very good at that. The church manages to avoid the issues about gluttony because gluttony is overeating. But it's a lot more socially acceptable to overeat. But it's as in the same list as drunkenness. Because drunkenness and overeating affect movement. When I'm drunk, I don't know what this is going to look like on video later. This could be used against me. When I'm drunk, my movement is affected. When I've eaten too much, when I've been a glutton, my movement is affected. But my body is not my own. Own. Of course, in this day and age, another form of extreme behaviour is not eating enough. See, God designed us to eat, but that's when I'm saying, well, I'm taking control. But God can help us because He has the power to bring everything under control. We're running out of time, but you know, the Bible says something about diet. You know, Genesis 1 verse 29, then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant in the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Seed bearing plants, fruit from the trees. Now listen, listen to me, just what I'm saying. God created the pinnacle of His creation. He put Him in an incredible environment where He's gonna prosper and thrive. And then He said, hey, I'm gonna give you something to eat that is gonna absolutely benefit you. And I know that some of you would love to see chicken wings there. And chicken wings aren't bad. You know, they have their place. But the point that I want to say is that God, who is the creator of all things, put His, put His creation in an environment where He said, to eat this stuff, it's gonna, you're going to be the best version of yourself if you eat this stuff. Now, listen, I'm not saying that you go from this place and you only eat lettuce, leaves and apples. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that surely then, we must understand that if God said that for His creation, it should form a significant part of our diet. It should, eating green leaves and eating fruit should not be our diet, but it should form a significant part of our diet. Why? Because God said that it was good and everything needs to be brought under control. Jesus declared all foods clean, but it makes sense that at the very least, we eat plenty of salad and eat plenty of fruit. So Adam and Eve take us back to factory settings, to God's original plan for us. To function properly, we need to rest properly. We need recreation and enough quality sleep. We are designed to work. Fruit and salad should be a significant part of our diet. We should not eat, drink, or do anything to excess. Get out into nature, walk in the fresh air, move. We're designed to move because movement is in us and we function better both physically and emotionally and spiritually when we move. And God has given us the ability to choose and expects us to make choices 
that honour and obey Him. Because when we do, life is released. Or we could do it our way. But I want to suggest the best way is always God's way. Because God wants the best for you. He wants the best life. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be the best version of you. There is no one who is a greater fan, a greater coach and a greater supporter of you than God Almighty. And He wants you to look back on your life and say, I live the best life that I can. Can you say Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I know I've run over slightly, but I want to... uh, I want to, I'm going to hand back to Tando in a minute, but I wanted to do something. Because if we're talking about movement being important, that means that blockage is serious. If I get a blockage physiologically, that's serious. It can even bring death. But I can have blockages emotionally. I can have blockages spiritually. Because where there's meant to be movement, if there's blockage, it can have a devastating effect. I want to pray right now that if anyone is in a place where they have a physical blockage or whether they have a mental or emotional blockage or whether they they have a a, 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 um, spiritual blockage, emotional, otherwise, any, any form where you're in your life, you're stuck. I want to pray that God will bring release into your life. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, come and pray for every single person represented here. Lord God, we thank You that You are a God who's put things that move in the earth. There is flow. There is movement. And Father, You intend us to move and to flow. And wherever that movement and flow is interrupted, there's a blockage. And Father, I take authority where there is a spiritual blockage, where there is an emotional blockage, where there is a physical blockage. I pray that there will be breakthrough in the Name of Jesus. Lord Father, You will give us wisdom. You will give us understanding. You will give us insight to help us put in place what we need to put in place. So God, You can do what only You can do in the Name of Jesus. And we believe that when we see that breakthrough, Father God, You are going to help us be a better, ever-growing, ever-more-blessed version of ourselves in the Name of Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. you've come to the end of this message we hope you've been challenged and inspired stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media just search heart church uk